0: We turn in God's word then this morning to the book of Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two. Last Lord's Day we considered uh, the first chapter of Hebrews in which we saw the supremacy of Christ uh, over the prophets. We saw the supremacy of Christ over the angels. This Lord's Day, uh, this morning and this evening, we'll see Christ as the one who is the supreme one as savior, the supremacy of Christ as savior. We read then Hebrews chapter two. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression of disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was first declared, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control, For it was fitting that he, from whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we once again thank you for this privilege and opportunity that we have to come and worship you. And dear Lord, as we think in a few short days, it'll be Veterans Day, and we thank you for the men and women that are serving, and those that have served, and those who have sacrificed their lives for for our freedom, dear Lord. Most importantly, the freedom that we have to come walk through these open doors today. Dear Lord, we just pray for them and their families. And as we open your word, dear Lord, we just pray for Pastor Bob and the words that you have given him. And open our hearts and our minds, this congregation, and we accept that word and apply it to our lives, and learn to live for you, dear Lord. This we ask in your name. Amen. And amen. So we learned last Lord's day, of God's revelation that come about through the prophets. In a variety of ways and in a variety of means, yet in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. A supreme revelation. God has sent his own son into this world. It's not just through the mouth of a prophet, it's not through a dream, it's not through a vision, but God has spoken to us in his own Son, who is from that Hebrews 1 passage, the exact imprint of God Himself. That revelation that God has given to us is superior even to that which the angels have brought. So In a sense, as we come to these opening verses of chapter two, they well, very well could be a part of the previous chapter, right? The the chapter divisions are a man-made thing, but it certainly flows, right? Because it's therefore, therefore is a result of what he's just been saying. Because of the revelation of God in Jesus Christ, therefore, We need to pay attention. So we want to look at three things from these opening four verses. And then we'll, Lord willing, preach on the rest of chapter two this evening. Under Christ as the prophet, Christ as the king, and Christ as the priest. But for this morning, God through his spirit is drawing us back again. Back to to that which we covered last week. And say, you have to understand the importance of the message. That's our first point. The importance of the message. Secondly, the seriousness of this message. And thirdly, the deliverance of that message. The importance, the seriousness, and the deliverance of that message. A message that Paul says... Or the author of Hebrews says, We have heard. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. What does he mean, that which we have heard? He's referring to the message of the gospel. The message revealed through Jesus Christ. That message that Jesus came, that message that Jesus brought. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Just to take some snippets from John's gospel, right? And we can multiply that over and over and over again. When Jesus Christ came, he preached the gospel. He brought the message of the kingdom. And the message of the gospel was this I am the means of your salvation. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. This message of the gospel, a message to pay attention. Now, I'm not going to ask for true confession, but my guess is there's probably a number of us, I'll include myself, who have heard sitting in school, Robert, pay attention. Right? We, we, our minds... Yeah, the teacher could tell our minds drifted off. I'm sure Mr. Bunnell might have even told a few of you in this room that a time or two. Maybe he did it through the blaring of a big horn, okay? but it was the signal, pay attention. Maybe you've heard it from a parent, or maybe you as a parent have said it a time or two. When you're trying to talk to your child and you know your child is just, their mind is somewhere else. It's like they've eaten all of the candy from last week at one time, and they're just racing all over the place, and you perhaps have taken their, their face in your hands, okay, cupped their, their, their face, and you've looked them right in the eye and said, pay attention to what I'm saying maybe there's a few of us of husbands have heard that from our wives as well a time or two pay attention listen to what I'm saying not just the sounds that I'm uttering now remember this is a book that is written primarily in its first setting to Jewish believers That's who's being addressed. So there's all sorts of things in the book of Hebrews that are gonna draw us back to the Old Testament. And there's a passage in the Old Testament in which Moses is instructing parents to basically do what I just said. Take your children's faces in your hands and say to them, pay attention. Go back with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. And just listen to these verses in, in that context. Pay attention. Pay attention to what you have heard. Deuteronomy chapter six. I'm going to start at verse four. Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Pay attention. Pay attention, God is saying to what I have said. Well, if God in Deuteronomy 6 is saying to those people there gathered who have heard the law as they're about to ready to enter the land of Canaan and he's saying to them, pay attention to the commands that I have given. And this came, you see, through the prophets. How much more so then do we not need to pay much more attention to the revelation of the gospel through the Son? Pay attention. So that, verse one, we drift away from it. It's a nautical term, right? Paul, by this time, if Paul is the author of Hebrews, has been on a series of missionary journeys. He's probably been on more boats than he cares to remember. He's been involved in the repairing of sails. He's been in seaport after seaport. He's he's heard these sailors talk, and he incorporates now a term that, that he's learned from the sea to drift away, drift away. Think about it in that nautical terms. Think about it as you're out at the lake, you're on the air mattress. It's a beautiful, gorgeous day. And as you're laying there, the waves are nice and gentle, and before long, you're actually sleeping. And the air mattress just slowly begins to drift and to drift and to drift. And pretty soon, you wake up, and there you are in the middle of the lake. Well, that's not so bad, right, if it's Cranberry, okay? You know, we probably paddle all the way back to shore, right? But if this is Lake Michigan, and you've been pulled out by the rip current and nobody's been watching, nobody's paying attention and you're sleeping, and suddenly you're in a little bit more precarious situation, are you not? Maybe even the fog has moved in and so now you don't even know which way to paddle. You don't even know which way to go. You don't know which direction shore is. So now let's... let's Let's up the ante a little bit on this. Let's suppose it's not even Lake Michigan because, okay, it's Lake Michigan. It's pretty dangerous. We know that, being from West Michigan. But let's suppose it's the Great Barrier Reef. Or let's suppose yet it's shark-invested waters. And you've just drifted away. See, nobody just... Flops their air mattress down in the middle of shark-infested waters. But you see, there's that slow drift. Nobody, and, and I use this example only because I know it's true of at least two individuals in our congregation who have experienced that drift out as you come out of those waters just by uh, Ludington State Park there and then you, you go into the, the big lake and before long you're so far from shore you've got to have a rescue boat come and get you. But you see, you just don't plop there. You drift, and it's slow, and it's slow, and it's slow, and it's slow. Paul is saying, pay attention to the message of the gospel. Lest what? Tomorrow morning you wake up and you curse Jesus Christ and you want nothing to do with the church? No, because Paul's saying that's not the way it works. What happens is you drift away slowly, slowly. little compromise here, a little compromise there. little change here, a little change there. A little less attention to the word. A little less attention to Christ. A little less attention to salvation. More and more perhaps influence of the world. More and more we just kind of drift away from the truth of the gospel the message of God's revelation to us in Jesus Christ. Until pretty soon you you have churches even that that used to be stalwart in the faith. Stalwart in the proclamation of the gospel. I'll say, you know, we kind of think, you know, this Buddhist thing might have something, might have some opportunities here and and maybe this this the this islamic faith well maybe there is a different path and and maybe the jewish people you know they're they're pretty observant of the old testament they probably got a chance to get in we just drift away Until there's no more. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We drift away. But it's not just out there, folks. It's not just those those liberal churches. It's our own hearts, isn't it? We drift away. We drift away from this gospel. We go, oh yeah, we've heard that. Yeah, we don't need to pay attention anymore. Yeah, that's the same message. It's like Pastor Bob just preaches the same message with a different coat of paint over it. We don't really need to listen. We get it. Now what ends up happening, you see, is we begin to drift away from that. Let me give you a couple of examples of how this has worked in culture. Most of us grew up in a time and an age in which you would never use the name of God on a television show in vain. Never. Never would. That, that just, you, you would hear no vulgarities. You would hear no hell. You would hear no damn. It wouldn't be there. Now what happened? Slowly it creeps. You get Archie Bunker letting loose with a few and everybody's like, well, yeah. yeah." yeah. And now look what we've got. Look what we've got. We, we've got a president who uses the F word in public tweets. And people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just the way life is these days. See how we've compromised? See how this goes? We just drift away I think most couples wake up one day and just decide today is the day we're gonna get a divorce. Loved you all wonderfully yesterday, but today we're getting a divorce. No, what happens? Drift, 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 drift. What happens with the Lord's Day? Drift, drift, drift. What happens with abortion? drift. Drift, drift. What the writer of Hebrews is saying, pay attention. Because there is something even far more serious than those matters. There is the message of God's revelation in Jesus Christ. Pay attention so that you do not drift. Slowly, slowly, slowly away from Jesus Christ. The importance of the message. Secondly, the seriousness of that message. Verse two, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable... Here's the reason we need to take that message preached to us by Christ, revealed to us by Christ, why we need to take it so serious. Why? Because the angels gave a message as well. What's the message the angels gave? The law. Paul, Galatians chapter 329. Galatians 329. Writes... Excuse me. It's 319, not 29. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring shall come to whom the promise has been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. That's Moses. Moses at the end of writing in Deuteronomy Alludes to the fact that the message he received from God was transmitted to him by angels. Now, what's the author's point here in Hebrews? Listen. We have this message of the law, it was delivered by angels. And what did that message of the law do? Verse 2. Proved to be reliable, and that every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Sin's just punishment. That's why we need to pay attention to the revelation God has given to us in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the angels had brought a message that proved to be reliable. How, what does he mean they were, it was reliable? Sin was justly condemned. Every sin of disobedience, every act of disobedience is evil and deserves judgment. That Old Testament law proved to be reliable. What happened to the nation of Israel? Divides in two. What happens to those northern tribes? They're captured by Assyria. What happens to Judah? Taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because of some political structure? Because of some movements of empires? No, it's God's just judgment on their sins. And He's saying to these Jewish believers pay attention. And you and I should as well not be dismissive of that Old Testament, but we should see it. God came in judgment on his people for their sin. We see it from the opening chapters of Genesis, don't we? I'll just pick this fruit and eat. No real consequence to that, is there? God comes in judgment. On the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God comes in judgment upon sin, Sodom, Gomorrah, the people of Israel with their idolatry. God comes in judgment upon them. Our own judgment. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? What the author is saying to us is, look at our own judgment. If the author is Paul, then, then we have the connection to Romans 7, Right? the connection about the law and how it works within his heart and within his life and how it brings about judgment to him. Listen to how he captures that in the eighth chapter of Romans in the second verse. Not the first verse, but the second verse. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of what? Sin and death. To use the term correctly, we are damned without Christ. Every single one of us in this room, without Christ, we are damned for all of eternity. Pay attention. How do you think we're going to escape if we neglect this great salvation? Here comes God in Jesus Christ with a message to save us from the law that condemns, from the law that brings judgment, from the law that brings our damnation eternally. Here comes God with the message in Christ. How do we think we're going to escape God's judgment if we neglect God's means of salvation? I don't need that. I don't think it's only Christ. I think there's other ways I can be saved. I think if I'm just a good person, I think if I just do nice things, I think if I just get myself in a good occupation where I'm really helpful to people, if I just use my skills and abilities, if I'm a good faithful husband, if I'm a good dad, if I'm a good worker, if I'm a skilled hunter, whatever it is you want to say, I bring baked goods to old people in rest homes. No. It's a turning back on the great salvation God has given to us in Jesus Christ. How do you think we're going to escape? Did Adam and Eve escape? No. Did the people of Noah's day escape? No. Did the people of Sodom and Gomorrah escape? No. No. Did the people of the northern kingdom escape? No. Did the people of the southern kingdom escape? No. All come under the judgment of God for their sin because they neglected God's great salvation, God's great grace. See, that's why this message is so serious. That's why this is so important. Yes, it comes from Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ isn't coming into this world to say, you know, we changed our clocks last week. Did you change the battery in your fire alarm? His message is about an eternal fire That we are justly righteously deserving of but his great salvation has been announced the message is in Jesus Christ this is serious stuff he's cupping us in our in his hands and he's looking at us and saying pay attention don't drift away. Thirdly, the deliverance of that message, how that message comes to us. Verse three How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. The Lord here is a designation of Jesus Christ. It, it's not the designation of, of Yahweh of the Old Testament. That, that's not the same connection. Here, the designation, because you see, it's not capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is how our English text understand and translate Yahweh. This is Kyrie. This is Kyrios. this is the Lord, a term that is used of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into this world and announced the gospel. I came into this world to give my life as a ransom for many. The message of the gospel announced by the Lord attested to by the apostles because there might be some who would say well I never heard Jesus Christ speak I never heard I wasn't alive then I wasn't in Judea I didn't hear Jesus Christ actually say the words So now the author is saying that message of Christ is that which we as the apostles, those who have been sent, those who have been commissioned, those who have been ordained by Jesus Christ have gone out into this world and have said, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus spoke. This is the message of the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. A message, note, that God has also borne witness to. God has confirmed. How? God confirmed it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed to his will. So you have the message announced by the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the message attested to by the apostles, and then you have God coming in on topping it and saying, yes, this is the message of salvation. How do we know it? Because there were all sorts of miracles. There was the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. You know, you say, well, why that? First Corinthians chapter one, Jews demand signs. God gave them the signs. Who is he writing to? The Hebrew people. God gave to them the confirmation that the message of the apostles and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed true. His stamp upon it is this. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. This is not a message, my friends, that we somehow don't trust. Think about this week. Think about how many messages you've probably read since Tuesday night about the election. How many pieces of information have come to you in a variety of means since then? We've been flooded. How do you know what's true? How do you sort it out? Will they ever sort it out? That's an election for a four-year term of a president of the United States of America. A small little country in the midst of the world, a small little spot and speck of land in the midst of an unbelievable universe. You want to know the important message? (laughs) It's not one single one of those messages you got about the election. You wanna know the most important message in the world? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It is an eternal message. And praise God, praise God. He, in his mercy and grace, has allowed us to hear that message some over the course of our lifetime, some perhaps for the first time today. We've heard the message. God has been gracious. He's allowed us to hear it. But even more so, he has given to us the gift of faith to accept it, to believe it. He's poured out his Holy Spirit into our hearts and to our lives so that we repent of our sins and we turn to Jesus Christ. Now, Pay attention. Pay very close attention. Don't drift from it. Continue to look to Christ. To Christ alone. For someday, (laughs) he will bring Many to glory. Oh, we know that for a time, he was humbled. But we know, even now, all, all is subject to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And he will bring us to glory. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you. That in your providence, you, as Almighty God, have revealed this message to us. The time, the place, our backgrounds. Lord, you've been so gracious to, to allow us to, to hear the message of the gospel not just to hear, but to believe. That gives us, Father, hope in the midst of all of the distress that is around us in this world. We know Christ by your grace, crowned with glory, crowned with honor. In his name, God's people say, amen.